this amateur hour. Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just an amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go. Hour, folks. You've got Ryan Scott Hall, and the guy smelling his armpits is his darkness. What's up? What's, uh, what's, what's going on over there in, in I'd like pits? to apologize to my good friend Ryan Scott Hall for my present odor. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yes. Alright, that's fine. Are you going to be apologizing to the Little Lebowski Urban Achievers later? No. No? I get no apologies. I, I feel like if you're uh, crowding the net, though, you know, you can do, like, uh, did you ever watch... Uh, ah, real monsters. No, you didn't watch that. Ah, real. Ah, real monsters. You never watched that show? It was on no. Nickelodeon. No. Uh, one what of the monsters. One of the monsters. His name was Crumb, and he held his eyeballs in his hands. And his like monster weapon was bad bo, and so he would like shoot bo out of his armpits. Oh, nice. So that's what I was imagining was you at volleyball. Oh yeah. Crowding the net, getting up in it. Putting them, putting them pits out there. No, I do that. Oh, all right, cool. I'm into that. Uh, you guys didn't come here to talk about Dirk's armpits. I mean, unless you did, and that'd be weird. I uh, but might have. You never. They might have. You never know. Um, there are a few things that we need to talk about today. I'm sure a few of them are at least somewhat predictable based on uh, what's happened over the last few days. So let's start where we've been starting in the off season with the news. City Chiefs land. Uh, I don't know how many days ago it was. I guess it was Friday at like 6.30 p.m. The Chiefs released a local fan favorite and sort of star wide receiver. I don't know. His star isn't shining so bright. Uh, but Jeremy Macklin, no longer a Kansas City Chief. He is officially a free agent. I did see an interesting headline today, though, that Jeremy Macklin was not eligible to talk to teams until Monday. So Jeremy Macklin might be the first player in NFL history, depending on the outcome, to be involved in a tampering case more than once. We, we'll see. Wait, wait, wait. You researched this? And, and no, sure I just no I just I saw like it was Pro Football Talk or something. Oh, might they, be first player ever. Yeah, could be. 
Could be. They awesome. basically said, like, if anyone talked to Jeremy Macklin before Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time or something, that would qualify as tampering. And who would, I mean, who in the NFL would cheat like that? I couldn't think of anyone. Yeah. I've, I can't think of any team who would try to get a small advantage like that. Certainly not. Uh, I'm sure that we'll expand on Macklin a little bit, but let's move on. Uh, then today, anything. That's it. That's it on Macklin. Yep. Uh, <laughs> anything you can do, I can do better, said the New York Jets. And they went ahead and released two veteran players. Linebacker David Harris from... Michigan. Yeah! I like David Harris a lot, actually. Um, but he's... I mean, we're, we don't know. The Chiefs are not going to sign David Harris. Um, they also released Eric Decker. Eric Big Dick Decker, really? according to his wife. Really? Yeah, he uh, he just got released, or is supposed to be released or traded by week's end or something is what the report is. But the Jets have basically said, you're not going to play for us this year. Um, Good for the Jets. So the Jets have officially solidified themselves as the worst team in the NFL, <laughs> as if they weren't already. Uh, no, the Chiefs are not going to sign Eric Decker either. Um, but the, the, the real news that we need to get to before we expand on some of these topics, and I'm sure some other great things that you came here for... This is the real headline. Last night, on the Twitter, our good friend Travis Kelsey decided that he wanted to interact with the fans. (laughs) And so I, Ryan Scott Hall, decided that this was the perfect opportunity, since he was talking about stadium security, to point out the fact that I love the security at Arrowhead Stadium. They have never once patted me down. I bring beers in there every home game, and it's great, because I get to have at least like two beers to drink, before I have to pay like $12 to drink one. And I use the term that we have lovingly coined keister stash. And keister stash is something that apparently most Chiefs fans have no idea what this means. They don't understand it. Well, we I got know what it means. I think they just do it, use it a different way. Because, because I had... They use it for smuggling drugs and stuff. I had someone say... The the prison pocket sounds really uncomfortable <laughs> for smuggling beers. Um, I we had some guy saying that we should not be pointing out the fact that you can sneak things into the stadium, and so he was never going to listen to the podcast. I agree with Tugger. Um, and and you know, I'm never going to listen either. I knew that I was going to get a rise out of Travis Kelsey because I used the term keister stash, but just for clarification's sake. Clearly, I am not shoving cans of beer in my bunghole. That's just that's just the term for stashing uh. beers in your pockets somewhere, maybe near your keister, because they don't want to touch a man's butt when going through security. I had to clear that up All before right. we got moving today. All right. I hope Travis is listening. <laughs> he definitely He's probably is. concerned. We we got fans coming in, beers up their ass. <laughs> he was like somebody. Somebody said something about keistering, and he he's like there were multiple tweets that he was like, I can't believe that this is a thing. And then you know naturally, oh, he kept going with it. Yeah, I checked it like once or twice. And naturally, fans were like, Come on, dude. You know we can't afford the beers out there. Yeah. Um, which is, is, I mean, I guess I, I can afford it. You know, but. I can't. I, I don't want to. So uh, let's let's move on from the news. Um, and good news. Or good news segment. Yeah. Uh, let's expand a little bit on Jeremy Macklin. That's kind oh, of the the. We are getting back to that. Yeah. Let's we'll we'll talk on Jeremy Macklin a little bit. Um, 
where where did this land for you? I know that you were at a rehearsal dinner on Friday. Hey, congrats, Quang. <laughs> <laughs> We've nuzzled the, the bell. Have we done that? We had some bell complaints. Uh, that's all right. We were scaring some folks. More pleasant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had just arrived at my rehearsal dinner when my my phone vibrated about fifteen times in about five minutes when I was trying to meet people and I was just like <laughs> couldn't couldn't get to stop. Like, what, what is happening? <laughs> and then uh, yeah, that was kind of like what wedding that I went to and you were like blending through three touchdowns in the first half. Well, that was a big deal. That was much bigger deal than Jeremy Macklin getting released. <laughs> Uh, I was pretty damn shocked, and all I wanted to do was check the news on it, And but, you know, I was having to meet and greet all these people. I couldn't really get too in-depth on why it was happening, mm-hmm. uh, so I was pretty shocked. Pretty, pretty shocked. Um, how, so it's, I mean, it's been able to settle a little bit for you. Yeah. Have you, are you still shocked by it? I'm still pretty shocked, yeah. We're, okay, so... Not necessarily the move. I mean, more of like the just the terms around it, like the timing of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks after his wedding. Yeah, I mean that was Macklin being a mentor to all these young receivers, making such a big deal about how he works out in Kansas City and he invites all these receivers to come and work out with him. Over under one and a half Chiefs receivers now needing to find a place to live because they keep staying at Jeremy Macklin's house. Oh, are they staying the with them? I mean, that's what I've heard. I'm but... sure they're still crashing. <laughs> he kicks everybody out. Uh, I mean, Jerry Macklin comes to KC because of Andy Reid. He's from Kansas City. I think he's technically from Texas, isn't he? Oh, is he? Yeah, I I don't think he, like, went to high school here. He just went to college in Missouri. My bad. You're fine. I mean, Uh, And we just kind of kicked him to the side. Kind of. Unceremoniously. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it was... Did did him dirty a little bit. Oh, yeah. I I needed a shower afterwards, I'll say that. Alright, so... I mean, a couple things. My initial reaction was like, well, that's weird. Um, mainly just because I didn't understand why they waited. And and so then it was like, well, what did you see that led you to do this, right? <clears throat> because it felt like this had to have been like Jeremy Macklin has been under observation or evaluation or something during OTAs, maybe. Oh, and and surely, I mean, no offense, Chiefs fans that may be thinking this, but this this surely it's not about like, man, Demarcus Robinson looked really good in practice. No, it's at, not. at OTAs. Like, I, it can't. and I'll tell you exactly why it's not that, because we have the three-time reigning NFL OTA MVP on our team, and I bet a lot of you don't think he's that good of a player come fall time, <laughs> and that's Demetrius Harris. Yeah. He is three-time reigning NFL OTA MVP, and look at what he is. So, don't give me this so-and-so looks so good in OTAs that now right. Jeremy Macklin becomes expendable. That's not the reason. Um, Although, expect Demarcus Robinson to be pumped up your ass for the next two months. We're going to get a whole lot of Demarcus Robinson stories. About how I mean, good he looks in training camp. Uh, it's got to be... I mean, he's he would appear to be the benefactor here. Um, there's there's a couple different ways that we can go with this, but, I mean, at the very least, I want to kind of set the scene a little bit for the conversations that I've had. You and I haven't really talked about it. Um, 
I, I have talked to some human beings about it, not internet people. Whoa. Um, and, I mean, I had a conversation with a couple buddies uh, on, on Sunday, and, like, nobody was really shocked, I guess. I mean, everybody said, again, the timing's kind of weird, but um, I think that where we all ended up was just like, well... I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion, and maybe maybe that's uh, taking it a bit too far. But like most people suspected that this was Jeremy Macklin's last year. There was a very good chance. I think he is kind of an approve it year. It was almost like in a contract year. Yeah, uh, he had so much uh, money to be saved by cutting him next offseason. Like it was basically we've had one really good year out of Macklin and one not so good year. So mm-hmm. what's he going to do this year? If he's really good, then it's a debate. If he's yeah. the same thing he was last year or marginally better then he was probably packing his bags after this season anyways. So I think that like ultimately what I decided was if they were confident Macklin's not a part of the future, even like like one year from now the future, if he's not going to be a part of the offense ultimately when Pat Mahomes is playing quarterback, then they would rather either figure out what they have in all of these receivers that are currently on the roster so that they can decide what they need to do next offseason when it's really Mahomes time. Or just, I don't know, give give those guys more reps because, like, the, the interesting thing is ultimately seeing the article that Sam put out today and him just taking this angle of, you can't tell me that you're trying to win the Super Bowl this year while also releasing Jeremy Macklin. Definitely doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, it's... There's, I, there's no argument to be made that, that the Chiefs got better for 2017. No, they didn't. But, I mean, I, like, I've like i heard um, unnamed radio personalities being really, Name them. being really upset about the move and saying, like, this is just, I can't believe that you would do this, and this doesn't make any sense, and yada yada. I mean... F- to me, I don't think it makes that big of a difference, personally. Um, they were going to, in some way, shape, or form, have to start to phase Macklin, not necessarily out of the offense, but like he wasn't going to be the number one target. Let's just put it that way. And so if Macklin isn't your number one receiver, and you are paying him more than any other target that you have, I think they just did the cost-benefit analysis and say... Why would we pay someone like a number one receiver if he's not going to be the number one receiver? Even for this season, he wouldn't be the number one. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there was a chance that he was going to be the number one receiver. Yeah, I mean, he may have been we had the debate a few episodes, to be. We had the debate a few episodes ago about who would have more yards this year. And you, you were on Tyreek and I was on Macklin. I just, just thought he was poised for a huge bounce back season. I was extremely high on Jeremy Macklin going into 2017. Did you think, I mean, I wonder now, do you think that Macklin, I don't even want to ask that question, it's a stupid question, forget that. Don't ask it. Um, so, now... It should be noted that we talked about how he looked at OTAs earlier, and the only thing I really saw on it was Therese's comment, said he was running with the first team the entire time, mm-hmm. and he looked spry. Yeah. And that was it. So for those arguments that he didn't look good in OTAs, the only evidence I've seen on either way is Therese, who we definitely trust, saying he looked spry. So that's the only thing I saw in it. Maybe you saw something else around. 
No, I mean, I th- I think that my biggest concern now, um, I just glanced at the Chiefs roster, and the oldest receiver on the team is 24. And there's a bunch of guys that are 24, but like... I don't know if the tight ends and the wide receivers are in the same room. I don't think that they are because they have different position coaches. They have different responsibilities. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it's one big room. So, like, technically, right now, the leader in that room, you would think, is Albert Wilson? The oldest Chiefs receivers. Top three. Go. Albert Wilson, Chris Conley, and... I mean, one of these other 24-year-olds, there's a bunch of them. Albert Wilson, Wilson, Shontavious Jones, and rookie Alonzo Moore. Those are the three oldest Chiefs receivers. All right. I figured you'd be able to bring the goods on former Nebraska Cornhusker Alonzo Moore. Well, I think this does open the door for said undrafted rookies. Uh, Just because I could see DeAnthony losing his spot. Yeah, I could see Albert Wilson losing his spot. Like, there's spots to be had for these unknown rookie receivers. Yeah, I do think it, it's now that competition is in many ways wide open because while you might hear a whole lot about Demarcus Robinson, while that might be the guy that you start hearing about, I mean, the only players that have established themselves really in any way on this team at wide receiver are Tyreek Hill, who's going to be your number one, presumably your number two in Chris Conley, and then, like, you've seen things on tape from Albert Wilson and the Anthony mm-hmm. Thomas, and on special teams to Marcus Robinson. But when you have a rookie in Chesson and Shontavious Jones and Tevin Jones and Marcus Kemp and Alonzo Moore and Tony Stevens... Like, I don't know who any of these players are, but they're all going to get opportunities, at the very least, like through training camp and the preseason games, to try to make the roster. Because we thought that it was pretty much there's seven guys and there's six roster spots, so who's going to get cut? And now suddenly, without Macklin, it's like, I'm not just going to assume that Demarcus Robinson or... I think Robinson's in there. I would... I I think he got four guarantees. I think he got... Chesson, Conley, Tyreek, and, and Demarcus Robinson. Yeah. Like those four are entrenched. Albert Wilson and DeAnthony, those are the favorites. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're guaranteed. I think they could, if someone comes in and looks good, you can get rid of either of those guys. It definitely shakes it up. And, and the one thing that I noticed, and I, I do wonder like what ultimately the roster will look like. Um, the Chiefs only have three receivers on the roster that are under 6-1. One of them is definitely making it in Tyreek. The other two, I think, are very much on the bubble in Albert Wilson and the Anthony Thomas. All the rest of these guys are tall, and they're kind of lean. I mean, some of them, I guess, are, are bigger-bodied, um, but mainly it's the Tevin Jones guy that they just signed. Um, and then, I guess, you know, Conley and whatnot. But I, I guess I just... We've talked about how like the, the receiver, the players that the Chiefs are going to look at at receiver are going to be different because of the quarterback than what they have in the past with Alex. Because of the future quarterback. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of setting up, you know, you're looking for the outside guys to be bigger and taller. 
don't know. What do you think? 2019, what are you looking at? Conley and Chesson on the outside with Tyreek in the slot is what you're hoping. And maybe Conley's already gone by then because his contract is played out. But two taller guys on the outside and Tyreek kind of in the slots, the traditional, you know, how the three receivers would look. And they're kind of poised for that. I, I don't know. I don't. Let's get back to Macklin. And just a few things that it means. I, I think there's a few schools of thought here. Uh, one thing we've kind of bounced around it with, the Chiefs passing game has been roughly as good in 2013 as it was in 2014, 2015, and 2016. Mm-hmm. Even though the weapons got markedly better. It's almost like it doesn't matter who's there with Andy and Alex. And this is when you can bring in Andy's history with the Eagles, Sands T.O., and just look like, look, I just need guys. I can pick guys off the street, and they can run my offense, and we're going to spread the ball around, and it doesn't really matter who's on the outside. The problem with that is that during Andy Reid's tenure, we've paid Dwayne Bowe a whole bunch of money and Jeremy Macklin a whole bunch of money. So why, why didn't we know that beforehand? I do think that both of those are, like, if there are blemishes on John Dorsey and Andy Reid's resume, those are the two that really stand out. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think there's any debate that his two worst free agents moves now are both receivers and yeah, both Macklin. Both, both receivers. Um, and, I mean, the, the thing with Macklin, like, to me, I think what it really boiled down to was this was purely, like, an evaluation of the guys that they had here and, I mean, people keep saying that this is, like, almost purely motivated by money. It's all about the Chiefs didn't have enough money to sign their draft picks, and so they had to get rid of somebody, and this is a business, and whatever. Like, if it, if it was a money move, it was based on, as I said before, like, Jeremy Macklin won't be the number one receiver, but he's paid like it. Well, if it's a money move, it's based on 2018. It's, it's saving that $10 million on the cap right now that goes towards the 2018 cap where they're yeah, you could very little room right now. Roll the money because over. Because we don't right. need... We also won't be here next year. I mean, they said we have like $3.5 million in room right now. We needed $4.4 million to, uh, to sign our draft picks. Yeah. Uh, that could very easily be obtained without releasing a good player like Jared Macklin. I mean, I, I, I still have a tough time getting overpaying Dustin Colquitt as much as we are. Uh, especially after releasing Jay Howard and now Jeremy Macklin. Like, that's two really good players, and we're keeping this mediocre punter for some reason and paying him a whole boatload of money and, like, just, like, not just ignoring his contract. Uh, and, there, I mean, there's other players. And you can release, like, Ja Reed. You can release backup players and, and have room for these draft picks. So it's not directly related to the draft picks. I mean, that's part of it, but it's the $10 million that carries over in cap room into 2018. It's basically releasing Jerry Macklin. It's basically releasing Jerry Macklin for 2017 for the 10 million dollars of cap room in 2018. Yeah, that's that's the the what you're weighing. What it also looked like to me is just that you have to take into account that Jerry Macklin was drafted by Andy Reid, and then he wanted him so bad that he quote unquote broke the rules. I mean, we gave up two draft picks in in this tampering, which makes nonsense. The signing, which makes the signing even worse. Yeah, but I, you you have to be able to look at those things and say, like, guaranteed Andy was involved in this decision. Even if he wasn't completely on board, he signed off on it. And 
I do think that it may have a lot to do with them just saying, you know what? Like, we have a number one option in Travis Kelsey, who we just paid a ton of money to, and we have a blossoming potential superstar receiver, and we've got all these other young guys, like, let's let's just do it. Let's just, you know, pull the, pull the Band-Aid off, I guess. What I want to ask, though, is... If you can cut Jeremy Macklin now, who wasn't the most obvious of the people that you would think are going to cut in order to save money, or the guys that maybe it's just better to wait until next year, like, does this in any way make you wonder, like, if any other surprise cuts might be coming? It did. Yeah. I did some research on I that. was thinking... Who else? <laughs> well... I was like, so who's who's next? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like... The other school of thought is the Chiefs listen to Amateur Hour. They listen to our off-season, <laughs> my, half, my half-baked ramblings on, on the Chiefs' future and how a lot of signs point to 2019. And it's almost like they listened to that and, and carried it out. So I did kind of look who else they could get rid of, and it was kind of like, you know, Alan Bailey or Ja Reed, kind of guys like that who could, you know, you can release post-June 1 and save extra money than when you could earlier in the season and, and carry that cap room over into 2018 and start retooling once we get rid of these older players. Um, that kind of threw me back. I was, I was enjoying the, the tweets I got uh, pointing out the, the, this kind of fits into the theory where they're making moves with, a, with an eye on the future the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's very it's It's pretty interesting. You'd think that'd make me all in because I was like, well, either, you know, go all in 2017 or, you know, go all out and wait until 2019 or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've laid out the reasons for that. Wait until post-Brady and, you know, we have this cap bubble that we're going to need to get past in 2018 and then 2019 we're in good shape when it comes to the cap. Uh, Our team isn't really old. The only only players 30 or older on our team are Colquitt, Derek Johnson, Tamba, Alex, and if you want to throw in Frank Zombo... They could all be gone by 2018. All of them. We could have no 30-year-old players on the team unless we bring some in. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, it's just... I, it's interesting what they're doing. I kind of get it. I kind of am mad about it because I was ready for the Macklin breakout. And it kind of it kind of neuters the Chiefs' biggest strength going into 2017. Like, we had talked about where their top three receiving weapons ranked league-wide, mm-hmm. and, you know, I thought about it for, like, 12 seconds, and I said fourth, but when you got Macklin, Kelsey, and Tyreek, like, how many other teams in the NFL can compare with those top three options? I don't know. There's not many out there, I don't think. Well, and then now you have people that are saying, like, I think I saw the, the stat that Carrington put out, and it was 2016, Ty Hilton had, like, 1,475 receiving yards, and career receiving yards on the Chiefs roster at wide receiver is fewer than that. Oh, career? Wow. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you can you can kind of paint your argument either way, but Kelsey kind of swings that in a big way. Absolutely. And I think that that's where what, what maybe... I don't know if it's going to be talked about enough, but Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver. And he's an incredible mismatch when you bring him like out of the inline option. I mean, he's an incredible mismatch regardless. 
But if you put him out there and they bring a linebacker out there, like, that guy's toast. But against a corner, most of those guys can't cover him either because he's so big. And he's really deceptive with how athletic he is and what a good route runner he is and how fast he is. And it's like, that's where, to me, if they really want to try to maximize, like, the offense now and ultimately maximize what Travis Kelsey can do for you, then you do have to take that Patriots model and get a second tight end that is a legitimate football player. And whether that is the importance of getting a guy like Gavin Escobar or them still trying to develop Demetrius Harris or Ross Travis or whatever, I mean, I don't know if any of those guys are going to be good. I would say none of them are going to be good. That's my guess. I mean, I'm high on Escobar, but it's a shot in the dark. Right, and, and that's why like, when people were talking about what veteran do you sign, I would rather have them sign Gary Barnage than any of the wide receivers out there. That guy's proven that he can play. And I think that if you add like a, another legitimate tight end and you can use Kelsey all over the field, like it just it changes the dynamic of your offense having a second tight end that people have to account for. Yep. Because well, I, I'm not talking about a second tight end that people have to account for that catches one touchdown on 18 receptions this season because that's what our number two tight end amounts to. Yeah, but then you also got to think, is Mahomes going to be utilizing the tight ends as much as Alex? I mean, we're in such a transition that... Are, are, where are you building the team for? Are you building it for 2017 or are you building it for 2018 under Mahomes? Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think that <clears throat> if if they were to turn around and sign, even whether it's Gary Barnage or Anquan Bolden or any of the names that people are throwing out there, it kind of defeats the purpose of releasing Jeremy Macklin. Um, you do save a little bit of money, but ultimately I don't. I, I think that they are embracing a youth movement and that may be kind of the bottom line. Yeah, I think what they've kind of decided is that Macklin isn't going to help Alex Smith that much for whatever reason. They've, their relationship just kind of fell apart mm-hmm. last year. Whether that was Macklin's doing because of his personal problems or his injuries or they just didn't click anymore or Alex has just never really utilized receivers and they just had to feel like they had to force it in 2016 or something. I'm not sure. But they kind of decided that and that Jerry Macklin wasn't going to be that big of a factor come 2018 and 2019 as he gets there up there in age. So might as well just release them now. My problem is, I mean, with saving the money, there's so many other moves. I mean, I'm not going to stop talking about Colquitt. You can cut Albert Wilson and save 1.8. You can cut Philip Gaines and save 1.8. You can cut Anthony Sherman and save 1.2. You can cut, well, Demetrius Harris's things on, on spot racks all fucked up. You can cut Bray and save a million. Like, there's all these players you can cut, like little guys, and save here and there that... I would have rather seen than, you know, releasing a player who has a lot to prove and has been a really good player at one point in this league. So, I know that uh, we had some really fun questions over Memorial Day, but before we get to those, why don't we just kind of recap our thoughts on the Macklin thing. For me... I mean, that was kind of my recap. Oh, okay. But you go for it. All right. You shoot it up. For me, I think that this was a decision that was not based solely upon money. I don't think it was, we don't have enough to sign the rookies and we got to cut somebody, so let's try to maximize the amount that we get by cutting Jeremy Macklin. I think that it was more about them deciding that Jeremy Macklin 
is being paid like a number one passing option in an offense where he's not going to be the number one passing option. I love the point that you made, though, that can't they just have the foresight? Like, if this offense is going to be built to use Todd Haley's parlance as 53 Lance Longs, and it doesn't matter if you have, like, a number one receiver. I mean, people will obviously argue that Andy Reid's best team is the one that had Terrell Owens on it. And then, ultimately, Andy Reid seemed to change his mind about whether it mattered if they had receivers or not because he drafted Deshaun Jackson with, like, the 35th pick and then turned around the next year and took Jeremy Macklin in the top 20. So, I mean, he's been a little Jekyll and Hyde on his stance there, but when he stood in front of the microphones today, he's like, we spread the ball around, and this is the worst part of the business, having to cut a guy that I care a lot about. But I I think that... The offense is going to be fine. The Chiefs aren't suddenly going to only win six games like people are saying. I mean, I, I just I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't. I, and I did. There was a uh, article up on AP. Someone talked about the, uh, the kind of the Packer way fitting into this. And it was basically just like how they spend, you know, a second to fourth round pick on a receiver every single year. And they weren't signing many of them to second deals. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like we're cycling guys through. They become the new one, number one receiver. He puts up a thousand yards, thousand to twelve hundred yards or something. You know, you're looking at Robert Brooks and Antonio Freeman on into Donald Driver and through Jordy Nelson and all these guys. Like they're pretty much t- taking a guy every single year, and they're they're giving him a year or two, and then they're plugging him in. Okay, you're the new guy. You're up, and it's just kind of they just cycle through him. And some of those guys do get second contracts. I mean, Greg Jennings got a second contract. Jordy Nelson did. Randall Cobb did. You know, but it's the same idea that it seems like the Chiefs have taken with quarterbacks, at least maybe later, and it's like, you know, we're going to swing often. And they haven't done that so much at receiver, uh, but, I mean, I, I do think that they're going to continue to probably just put bodies in there and hopefully learn from the mistake of we don't need to go out and spend 50 to $60 million on a receiver because we've done that twice now. <laughs> and if they want to... Eric Decker, $50 million contract. Right. But, I mean, it does seem like the philosophy, that Packers way, that that Dorsey has been doing, and you've seen it because we don't have many outside of this team free agents that that have been signed that are still here. Like, it is draft and develop. And so if they want all of their players to be inside of this organization, I mean, it is interesting that we're talking about maybe 2018 or 2019 getting in a healthy cap situation and, but that's going to be around the time that even if you are getting rid of guys, that you're going to be paying guys too. Because Marcus Peters is going to make a boatload of money, buddy. He is. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's uh, let's do some more mailbag. Everybody seemed to like it. We had a lot of fun. And while we were drunk, we had, uh, we had, we had a couple, couple cold ones on uh, the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. And we wanted to get some drunken questions from our drunken audience as well. So uh, we figured that this might spice it up a little bit. Yeah, spice it up! Uh, So (laughs) at Benjamin underscore 39 Are the Chiefs intentionally messing up parking so that they can make more money with this prepay plan? And I don't think he framed it the right way but basically, are they Willing to take more money from people? Are they in some way saying, you know what, people aren't going to pay attention and 
pay beforehand, so we'll just take more money from them. Uh, huh. I'd say no. No. Although they did raise prices on the on the prepay, didn't they? Uh, no, I think that that's still like whatever it was, 30, 30, or, 30 or 35 bucks. But it's $60 to pay at the gate. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love Here's the deal. Don't be a dumbass. Buy it beforehand. <laughs> that problem solved. There you go. I, I cannot care less about this parking story that people are mad about. <laughs> at Grody. Yeah. I'm worried about Puff Puff Pass Rush. Walk me off the ledge. I will uh, walk you... Off the ledge, actually off of the ledge, oh, not wow. away from, but off of because that's I'm, Grody. I'm, I'm, that's I'm, Grody. I'm worried too, Grody. I'm worried too, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a good run. Um, although it was interesting. I mean the the Tomba stats. I kind of went on a Tomba rant at some point last week. His stats in 2016, man, Pro Football Focus just loves Tom Holly. Can I tell you that I just don't believe those numbers? Don't believe the numbers. Like, his numbers, or it was like top five hurries of three, four outside linebackers. They do it. it. They do that like every year. Tomba has all of these hurries. He's got all these hurries. He hurried to play. Okay, well, let's show, show me every one of them. I want to see. All eighty some odd snaps that they say that he hurried the quarterback. I want, I want the whole file. Send it to me. Contact ahpkc at gmail.com. Why are they doing? Why are pro they lying? Focus. I just, I don't know. I gotta say, when Pro Football Focus came around, man, I loved being able to just like have metrics and just be like, I don't know if any of this is real, but I love it. I love looking at it. But I am so skeptical because I watch Tomba. And even if I am looking for, like, splash plays, I don't see it from him anymore. That's why, when we talked about it, like, before the playoff game, I'm like, Tomba, put him in defensive end. Or let him play out there and be good against the run when Pittsburgh is trying to run against us. He's better against the run than he is against the pass at this stage in his career. I just... Well, our I, worst pass rush game was in the Pittsburgh game when he had the fewest snaps. I, I love... Let me give you that argument. Tomba Ali. I do. I love no, you don't. I no, do. you don't. You hate Tamba. No, listen. You hate Tamba. Just because I don't love him the way that you do doesn't mean that I don't love him. That's like me saying you hate Marcus Peters. You hate him. No, I never bash on Tom Peters. Am I? Am I? I'm bashing. You, you've bashed on Tom Ali <laughs> for the last four years. All right. That's nothing. You've been talking. He's gonna be cut. He's gonna be cut next year. So he it doesn't be. matter. He should still be cut. No, and, and we tell him every year, like, okay, you're only going to take 50% of the snaps this year, Tomba, and then he has to go out and play 80% of the snaps, because we got one guy who can't stand on two knees at the same time, he wants and to play D. Ford, who was running away from plays <laughs> a few years ago. Well, Thomas <laughs> says he wants to play four more years, so he's, <laughs> yeah. he, apparently he's Him fine. and Brady play until 50. Um, all right, so uh, Hunter of Turtles. Yes. What draft pick over the years were you absolutely horribly wrong about? Either hated a guy who turned into a stud or loved Ryan Sims. Hated a guy that turned into a stud. I don't know if this this is a Chiefs show, so I don't know if this is supposed to be a Chiefs pick. Well, yeah, I would assume. Uh, I kind of fell in love with Kevin Hogan when I was watching his <laughs> draft breakdowns. <laughs> I still think. I still think. I mean, he started more games than Murray Bray combined. I'll give you that. He actually like played okay in Cleveland. But yeah, well, he ran for like he ran them. for like eighty-five yards in his one start. I was like, well, that's not really what I liked about him, but but okay. 
Uh, I can see him still being a decent quarterback. I think he hangs around the NFL for uh, a handful of years. I think he just probably doesn't have the arm talent to ultimately make it. Uh, I will keep thinking. You have one? Um, I think this is one that goes across the board for like every Chiefs fan. Um, I was not pleased at all when the Chiefs drafted Dwayne Bow. Um, Bo was one of like three or four LSU receivers that all went really early in that draft. I just didn't think that any of them were going to be something special. LSU never really been a passing team. And um, no matter how Dwayne Bo's career ended and the opinion that Chiefs fans have of him, Bo is, outside of Otis Taylor, the best receiver that the Chiefs have ever had. During arguably one of the worst runs of quarterback play in the history of the NFL. Um, I think that almost everybody was wrong on Dwayne Bowe and nobody was excited when we drafted him. Uh, and and someone who rhymes with that, I think people weren't happy with Dontari Poe. Oh, we were. T- oh man, the the air completely sucked out of this room when he got drafted. I think people were really happy with Jonathan Baldwin. Yeah. I think people were happy with DeAnthony Thomas, mm-hmm. and I think people were happy with Kavari Russell. So that could be some names for other people out there. Personally, man, fucking no one jumps out. I no one. I can't remember my thoughts on when these guys were actually drafted. I was really high on Nunez Roches and DJ Alexander. Yeah. They both count, but I was kind of I don't. I was more right on than wrong on them. You might have just been more high than anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a big Laurent Duvernay Tardif fan when we drafted them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So from the four seventeen tailgate club, is there a better handle than John Doe four twenty sixty nine? Better not be. Better be a fan of this podcast. Oh, how about Glenn Dorsey? Can I go that far back? Um, Loved the Glenn Dorsey pick. I would say that didn't really work out. Well, the biggest problem with the Dorsey pick was that we drafted him in her, like a Herm Edwards cover two system, and he Four was three, supposed yeah. to be able to like play the Warren Sapp role, and then. Within a year or two, we switched to a 3-4, and Glenn Dorsey didn't have a position anymore. Yeah. I think... Is he still playing? Figure out if he's still playing. It is. He's still bold. I thought he was, like, playing nose tackle in San Francisco. He's bold on this pro football reference page, so which means he's still, still oh, active. All right. So, uh, from Wes with two S's, Wes Burns... I think we should answer this for each other. I get to answer this for Dirk, and you get to answer this for me because okay. we we will uh, we'll we'll know each other a little bit better <laughs> than we do ourselves. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you handle frustrating losses? Do you go well, same old Chiefs, drink or eat your sorrows away, or throw things? Hmm. How do how do I handle frustrating losses? Um, I would say you get quiet and solemn and I don't know. I th- I think I th- I think a lot. Like I don't 
I'm not uh, an overly... Yeah, you're more contemplative. Yeah, I don't think I get, like, loud and angry and, and whatnot. But I don't necessarily do that even, like, during the game. I get excited, but I don't think I really get, like, mad and, and stuff. Um, how Dirk handles uh, frustrating... Well, and actually, I skipped over this word. It says frustrating key losses. Um, I mean, if you want to go to, like, the most frustrating key loss... Uh, Dirk drunkenly stumbled around the neighborhood kicking street signs after we lost to the Colts in the snow. Um, if that that gives you any picture, um, I do think though that mainly like when when I've been with you during frustrating losses inside of the game, like you have you have like a football player's intensity while the game is on. <laughs> And, and, like, some plays, just, like, in individual moments are so intense. And there is screaming and cursing and throwing footballs always in the living <laughs> room. Uh, but, yeah, I think that you, you're you a more, like, physical... It's Yeah, it's an experience. Yeah. I'm like, it's like I'm part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm... I think I withdraw a little bit more. You and I are a little bit like opposite on that. But I also know that, I mean, you've told me many times that typically after a game, whether we win or lose, you do like have a tendency to take a walk and like sort your head out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does that for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just like get away from the distractions and just kind of get in your own world and think about what's going on. I get very matter of fact and think I'm very. Uh, write about things after after losses. I don't say that. Mm. Okay. I told you this and this. I knew it. Uh, our our good buddy Craig Stout, all the way from. I always just want to say Wichita. Wichita. I think it's liberal is where he actually lives. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> and granted, this was I don't know ten o'clock on Saturday. Had a few pops by then. Those ciders. Craig wanted to know if you had put your dick in the potato salad yet. Oh, did yes. we have? Did we have potato salad? On yeah, Saturday? no, I had some in the back. <laughs> <laughs> isn't the joke put his dick in the mashed potatoes? Isn't uh, that from? Isn't that from PCU? Yeah, but it's piece of. I think he said potato salad. Now, um, man, brings whole new context to show me potato salad. <laughs> What is, the, is that? Is that PCU? Uh, I'm. I think so. Put my dick in the mashed potatoes. Uh, from. Oh wait, Cor- no, it's a it's a Beastie Boys line. Oh, but I know if it's, it's gonna, gonna be song, that kind of party. Then I'm a, gonna stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. That's in a Beastie Boys song, but I think it's it's like a drop from a movie. They cut that from this same. Oh, this looks like House Party. Okay, it's from House Party. Um, alright, so, another, another good friend, friend of the program, um, and I think that if you guys aren't following him and you haven't seen his work, Corey, Corey04. Oh yeah, uh, great artist. Donated, donated some really cool paintings over to Amateur Hour, and he's got some really cool stuff, so take a look. Um, I think this might have been your favorite question that we ended up getting on, on Memorial Day weekend. If you had to do it. With the ugliest female you can imagine, <laughs> nightly, for ten years straight, but the Chiefs would win ten straight Super Bowls, would you do it? 
And I'm going to alter this question by saying, would you do her? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you win 10 straight Super Bowls, that's going to be pretty boring. I don't... You get bored with winning. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think people realize this, especially Chiefs fans, because we don't win that often. But I think you get very bored with winning. I think that in listening... Even more bored than I would banging the, banging the ugly chick. <laughs> I mean, listen... Um, I think that there are a lot of people that would be thrilled to be able to have sex every night for 10 straight <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't need the Super Bowls. Just, I'll just take the first part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, though, I, I don't know. The way that I look at it is, and this is maybe a little bit deeper than you guys want for the answer to this question, but... Oh, you're going deeper than we think? <clears throat> <laughs> How do you... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I listen to Bill Simmons somewhat religiously, and Boston, like in his, I guess basically like his forties. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. Um, I mean, he's so incredibly spoiled because he's seen every team from Boston win a championship. Yeah, that and mid to late two thousands was just you have you have all those jokes about like the kids that are you know. Any a kid that has graduated high school in Boston, you know, getting ready to go to college, has seen every major sport win a trophy, and like they're just they're incredibly spoiled. And like, I I still I still listen to Simmons, and it's his show, so he can do what he wants. But man, when I listen to him talk about the Patriots, yeah, when he complains, and I'm just like, it, number it's obviously frustrating, like from a Chiefs perspective, but I think that. You can also hear from him a little bit that, like, so much of what happens, at least with the Patriots, is just, like, a foregone conclusion. And he's ready to just, like, fast-forward to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And almost even, like, basically fast-forward to the AFC Championship game. Tell me who we're playing. Yeah. Um, and that that doesn't... I mean... Think, think about the Colts back in the day. Think about yeah. KU right now. Like, nothing matters until the end of the season. Yeah. It doesn't matter whatsoever. Because yeah. they just know they're going to be there. So, um, Chromatic 85. Loyal listener? 69420. <laughs> Would you rather have Alan Bailey punch you in the stomach as hard as he can, Oof. or spend a night in a shipping container with a coked up Mitch Holtis announcing every little thing you do as if the Chiefs are scoring a touchdown? I mean, the second one sounds kind of awesome. I'm trying. <laughs> do you have Do you have a Mitch Holtis impression of him being coked up? No, no, it doesn't necessarily. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm trying to imagine, like, what Mitch Holtis really excited, like, calling everyday things is like. It doesn't matter if he's on cocaine or not. Like, just the Mitch Holtisness of him. Like, do Do you remember the Family Guy with uh, Randy Newman? He's like. Left foot, right foot. Yep. He sings everything that people are doing. Uh-huh. That's what I'm trying to imagine from Mitch Holtis. Like, he scratched his nose! <laughs> like, <laughs> I, um, I mean, man, if the alternative is getting punched in the stomach by Alan Bailey, Mitch Holtis can follow me around until we're dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can call my life. I don't know if I'm going to survive it. As hard as he can? I mean, that's as what it says. As hard as he can. 
First off, you're going to take that a lot better than me. No offense. But he's going to punch a hole through my fucking stomach. Like, it's gonna, his arm is going to go out the back. Uh, mm. No, I do not want that. I, I don't think I would survive. Man tweeter at Wayne Canada. Who was the last first-round QB to not play his rookie season? This is like a trivia question. Um, I don't know. Do you... Well, I remember I responded to him, like, did he mean, like, literally not play at all? Because, like, Paxton Lynch played one game last year. Yeah, I guess that sort of counts. There's quite a few in there that's, you know, did Teddy play? Johnny didn't really play, did he? Uh, I mean, some of those guys, it's like a, a little bit, you know, and I think that that's kind of what you expect from Mahomes, maybe. Like, I think Mahomes is good for a game this year. Because that's just kind of been like the status quo as far as Alex's time as the starter. At the very least, it's like week 17. Um, do you think that the Chiefs have to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs before they start Mahomes? Or would they be like a little bit quicker to embrace, like, okay, you know, the Chiefs at one, you know, we saw go from one and five and then win all those games in a row. Like, do you think that if the Chiefs are at one and five, they might just be like, okay, let's see what the kid can do? Uh, yeah, I think it's probably probably quicker to embrace that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because generally speaking, like, I don't know what the point of no return is for this team, like for the 2017 Chiefs, but I do think that now that they have an alternative they are going to be maybe quicker to embrace it. I don't want that to happen. I really want to see the Chiefs, like, flirt with the playoffs. I mean, I'd love to see them make it, obviously, because that's awesome. But, like, I think I'd be perfectly happy to see them at, like, 9-7 and seven and just on the outside. Really? But at the same thing, you know, at the, in the same token... I want anything like, but 9-7. and seven. You know, and this, is, this isn't a mailbag, but now I, now I want to ask, like... Are you reluctant to see the team suck really bad because we don't have a first-round pick, even though every oh. other one of your picks is still going to be early in the round? Like, do you feel like it like hurts the team or something if the Chiefs go 4-12 and and Buffalo gets a top-10 pick out of that, but we also have a top-10 pick in every round for the rest of the draft? Like, No, I don't think it really matters. I mean, second round, I would say, matters, but after that, it's just kind of a crapshoot, I think. <clears throat> Uh, so yeah, that that would that would be deflating if we're bad next year. I kind of forgot we had didn't have the first round pick. And that was so yeah, nine seven is fun. And that well, see, that's the thing. Like that's what um, in in sort of like the instant reaction from the guys from the star. Therese said the only thing I don't really like about giving up that pick is the pressure that it puts on you to not like be bad. Yeah, because you don't want to give no up, silver lining. Yeah, you don't want to give up a high pick, but like. To me, I man, I don't know. Like, I'd almost, I'd almost rather them like be be bad enough. You know, if it ended up being a top ten or twelve pick, like it's a sunk cost. To me, if it's the tenth pick or if it's like the thirty second pick because we won the Super Bowl, like I, obviously I want the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I was wondering, like, I was like e- either way, to me it doesn't matter because we don't have the pick. So like it's that's just it's a sunk cost, so it doesn't matter. But if we're talking about in terms of 
where we're going to pick and like what quality of player we can add to the team, sure, go five and eleven. I don't care. I'd love to be picking in the top ten of every round, except for the first round. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. Okay. Um, what is your favorite item in the room you are currently sitting from at Matric System? Sixty nine Looks around. For what it's worth, we are in my living room, so this might be kind of hard for you. That Chiefs poster behind us with Christian Okoye, Barry Ward, and Harvey Williams is pretty damn sweet. <laughs> am I taking that over my computer? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. Uh, because my computer's was, slow as shit. <laughs> that was actually purchased by our good friend at I'm Rob Lad. I think he found it at a flea market for like two dollars. Still shrink wrapped. <laughs> what's the What's the headline on it? Backs by popular demand. Got to move some stuff. I think it's backs. Yeah, that's it. Backs by popular backs demand. Backs by popular demand. Ryan also has a 2007 Chiefs football signed by the entire team. Yep, that was a gift. That unforgettable 2007 season. That was a gift. What was our record in 2007? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think that my favorite possession, my favorite item in the room where I am currently sitting is the man across the table from me. It's, it's his darkness. You just call me an item? Yep. Yep. We're kind of an item. Our 2017 was 4-12. Oh. The year we started off 4-3 and three and then Larry Johnson got hurt and we lost the last nine games. <laughs> All right. Ooh, man, this one's hard. All right. Man, I don't even know if I want to do this. At Corey Berman. Corey, you're a good follower. We appreciate this. But, man, this sucks. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh, yeah, I like this one. Andy Reid, Dick Vermeil, Marty Schottenheim. I think you gotta kill Dick. <laughs> and I think I'm fucking Andy and Mary and Marty. Well, <clears throat> I mean, you, you do this, are we supposed to take in their looks into account? <laughs> <laughs> or is it, is it just like, are you ranking them? I don't know, but you apparently have a thing for mustaches. Oh. My dad had a mustache. He's also... <laughs> my dad had a mustache. <laughs> it's, it's clearly a daddy complex. That's uncomfortable. Um, man. Like, that's... that's. That I was, love Andy Reid, but I don't think he's past Mario Maya. That was my thought. Like, But he's close. He's really I, close. I don't want to have the same answer as you, but, like, I marry Marty. Marty is the reason that I love the Chiefs. I feel like Mari got he got such a bad break, man. All these things that went against him in the playoffs. I mean, going back to Cleveland, you got the fumble, you got the drive. Yeah. Then you got Lynn Elliott missing kicks. Then you got that game against Denver where we had the was Tony Gonzalez it was the offensive PI call or was it it was ruled out of bounds and he was actually inbounds? I always can't remember. It's one of those. Hmm. Uh, you got that. Um, you got I mean he was with the Chargers. They had the Patriots beat one year, 
and Marlon McCree intercepts the ball, and the game's over. All he has to do is go down, it's over, and Troy Brown strips it from him. Patriots get it back, drive down, and win. And it's just like these things that aren't in Marty's hands at all. Like all of these things. Lynn Elliott has nothing to do with Marty Schottenheimer. I mean, you can blame him for having a conservative offense and, and going back to him time and time again, but he's kicking 38-yard field goals. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> just all these bad breaks, and for him to never triumph, although he did in the USFL or whatever that starter-up yeah. league was. He won a championship, and I felt so proud. Um, <laughs> but now, I mean, Andy Reid's kind of the same guy. He's in the same boat. He's yeah. putting together all this success, and now he's the one that's not cashing in. So, Although I'd say his are more on him and less I think luck. I think i got to go different here, um, and the biggest reason is because of the three, only one of them has a Super Bowl, and that's Dick Vermeil. Um, now, none of them have one for the Chiefs, but um, I am marrying Marty Schottenheimer. I am fucking Dick Vermeil, and I'm going to kill You're him. You're fucking that dick. And the uh-huh. reason that I guess I'm, I said, like, I, I fucked with Dick Vermeil, um, but that's mainly like, man, his teams were so fun to watch, and you felt like they were just, like, that every year I felt like this team can win the Super Bowl. Um, and I haven't, like, I've, I have sort of felt that way with Andy, but I don't think that I've felt that way with Andy and John Dorsey because of necessarily what they've built. They're still hanging on to guys that they didn't draft that are cornerstones of this roster. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, not to mention Marty, he had that 8-8 eight eight season with the Redskins. I think they started 3-8, and eight, and they won the last five, and it's like, all right, well, Marty's going to turn the team around. And then they fired him for Steve Spurrier. And then the Chargers fired him after that Marlon McCree game I talked about, after a 14-2 and two season, and hired North Turner and just, like, fell off the map. I can't. North just the Turner. just the circumstances around Marty Schottenheimer's career is just like it breaks my heart to even think about it. Although I will say, I just pulled up the NFL career wins list: Marty Schottenheimer, Marty Schottenheimer sixth all time, Andy Reid tenth all time, and Vermeil's 29th all time. So okay, that's pretty. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Kind of like this program was. Uh, thanks to all of the wonderful folks. Um, it's I think it's. Pretty much just one guy, really, Joel Thorman over at Arrowhead Pride for hosting us all 365 days of the year. Thanks to you folks for taking time out of your busy summer schedule to listen to AHPKC. And uh, I really want to thank our good friend Joe Dice. Uh, He kind of pointed out that we were having some issues with Google Play, um, which just says, number one, he's a loyal listener, and number two... Pay attention. Uh, but we got that fixed, so if anybody uh, had been having issues and maybe just bailed for a while because it's summertime, um, all of the recent episodes are now up on Google Play. Um, and they're obviously on iTunes. Go there. Rate and review. Be nice. Do 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 a good thing for your friends. Give us a donation. We haven't had one in months. That'd be cool, too. Yeah. I PayPal, can't feed my kids. PayPal.me slash AHPKC. Um, we have some special programs that we are planning for the rest of the offseason, so stay tuned for those. Uh, but this has been Amateur Hour, and this is a Tribe Called Quest. I thought it was going to be you too. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Dude, 
I saw so many old guys get excited that U2 was coming to Arrowhead. I, <laughs> I really wanted to like try to have a short conversation. Didn't want to turn it into a long one, but uh, Country Boy, a boy Country Boy, uh, he said, what, was Aerosmith not available? And I'm just like, I'm, that's like, that's kind of racist. Like, Aerosmith and U2, they are not, they are not alike at all. He's, I'm just wondering if it's like, just lumping white rock music into just one category. Aerosmith was like the 60s and 70s. U2 didn't put out their first album until the 80s, I think. And they are not Aerosmith. Not that I really like either band, but... Oh yeah, I take Aerosmith many more times over U2. I fail to see the racism in that. I fail to see the national threat to secure... Or threat to national security by Keister sashing some beers. I fail to see a lot of things. I saw so many people say... And I wondered if... If, like, using that word keister is how he turned it into enjoy the, the keystone lights that taste like taint or something. Yeah. Keister? Is that what we're going to call keystone lights now? Oh. Keisters? Keister They're light. keisters. Keister light. Everybody kept saying, I bet it tastes like butt or something. I bet keystone does kind of taste like butt. I really, I really loved the one reply that said, this guy is pretty anal. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't get it until someone said, like, someone complimented the reply, and then I was like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah it was good. It was good. Good. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great.